Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Now, Abraham answers Isaac's question in verse 8. Abraham says, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them together. That means that Isaac was happy with the answer. I, and Abraham, so, so this is a very hard question. Abraham, put yourself in Abraham's place. Where's the lamb? What are you going to say? Abraham, at that moment, thinks back on his life. And he thinks, uh, he, you know, really Abraham is in a very, very tough situation. He's really in a situation of, he's in the place of what we would call the I don't know place. I mean, really, you know, it's like, I don't know. And then he thinks back on his life of all the times that he has been in the I don't know place. And he thinks that where he didn't know where his wealth was going to come from, but he, he was in the I don't know place there. And then God provided the wealth for him out of Egypt, as it says in, in Genesis 13 too. Abraham was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. And how did Abraham get all that riches, get all that wealth? God provided it for him. Before Egypt, he needed, and he didn't know. He was in the I don't know place, and then God provided for him. And then Abraham thought of how he was again in the I don't know place, of how he did not know how he was going to recover his nephew Lot, as we've studied, from the armies of those kings who had already taken him back and were entering into Syria. And he only had 400 armed men, and, and he didn't know. He, was, he said, I don't know. I'm going after him. I don't know how I'm going to get Lot. But God provided a victory over them, and he was able to recover all. And then Abraham thought of how he was at another time in the I don't know place when he didn't know how Sarah would ever be reunited to him again after twice, after Pharaoh took her and Abimelech took her to be their wife. And he was in the, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to get her back. But God provided reunion with Sarah. And then Abraham thought how he was in the I don't know place when he didn't know how he would ever have peace in his home and his marriage preserved after Hagar and Ishmael. But then God provided peace in the preservation of his marriage. So As Abraham thinks back over all those times when he was in the I don't know place, and in that place he saw the same pattern. Abraham says, you know, I was in the I don't know place, and then God provided in an unexpected way. And now when um, Isaac asked him the question in verse 7, where's the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham thinks to himself, here I am again. I'm in the I don't know place. (laughs) I truly don't know. And so Abraham thinks to himself, all right, I'm in the I don't know place. I've been here before many times. I've learned in the past, and when I'm in the I don't know place, then God provides. 
And so Abraham tells Isaac in verse 8 what he's learned in his whole life. He said, God's going to provide. God's going to provide. I don't know, but God's going to provide for a burnt offering. And so when it says at the end of verse 8, so they both of them, so they went both of them together, that's a very powerful statement because it shows us that Abraham had convinced Isaac to go with them. And then in the next verse, when it says that Abraham bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood, that shows the profound influence that Abraham had on Isaac. So that Isaac at that point, he's willing to die as a sacrifice. Why? Because of the profound influence that Abraham had on him. That's just amazing that Isaac is willing to die as a sacrifice. And we have to ask the question, what did Abraham do to make Isaac willing to die as a sacrifice? How did Abraham have this influence on Isaac to make him willing to die as a sacrifice? It's not, it's not normal to be willing to die as a sacrifice, but Isaac's willing to die as a sacrifice. And we have to consider this question. How did Abraham influence Isaac to make him willing to die as a sacrifice? In what ways did Abraham have this effect on Isaac who was so profound that he was willing to die as a sacrifice? There are four ways, four ways in which Abraham greatly influenced Isaac to make him willing to die as a sacrifice. And each one of these ways begins with the letter S. I don't normally do that, but anyways, the, the S. So first, from verse 3 to verse 4, from after verse 2, when God told Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son, and then through verses 3 and 4, till Abraham speaks in verse 5 to the men, we do not read that Abraham said anything. It just appears that Abraham was relatively silent during these three-day journeys to Mount Moriah. You know, you can, we can be sure that when nighttime came and they built the campfire, Abraham wasn't out there saying, all right, everybody, let's start singing some campfire songs. <laughs> That's not what happened. <laughs> he was silent. And as everyone, and especially Isaac, watched Abraham for those three days, they saw a man who was relatively silent. Silence had a profound effect on Isaac. And Abraham affected Isaac by his silence. And when Abraham was silent, he sent out a message that he was focused. His head was down. He had a profound purpose. He wasn't going to become entangled in small talk. And Abraham affected Isaac by his silence. And that contributed to Isaac's agreement to be willing to die as a sacrifice. Now, the next way that Abraham had an effect on Isaac was by his speech, what he said, his words, his speech. As we've just seen, it was Abraham that influenced Isaac when Isaac asked the question in verse 7, where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And, and Abraham replies in verse 8, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. Abraham's words, his speech, have a tremendous effect, a tremendous influence on Isaac to make him willing to die as a sacrifice. So Abraham affected Isaac by, by his silence and his speech. But Isaac, during this time, is also watching Abraham, his father. And Isaac watches Abraham in verse 3. As Abraham has really stated here, Abraham's doing all the work. Abraham's saddling the ass. Abraham's getting the wood. Abraham's cutting the wood. 
And then on, on um, Moriah there, Isaac watches Abraham do the work again. As it says in verse 9, Abraham builds the altar, Abraham lays the wood on the altar. And so all of, the, all of this, these scenes here is really Isaac watching Abraham work. And in all of these cases, as Isaac watches Abraham do all the work himself, he didn't give, it doesn't say he gave the work to the young man or he told Isaac, now you go do this, you know. But Abraham did the work himself. And so Isaac saw that Abraham, as he did this, and he was doing all the work, Isaac saw him doing the work, and that influenced Isaac. And it made that influence and that effect also contributed to him to be willing to die as a sacrifice. So in this third way, Abraham influenced Isaac by his service, by his service. That's the third way that Abraham influenced Isaac, by his service. Then last, when Isaac saw the pain on Abraham's face as Abraham gave Isaac the answer that God would provide a lamb, you can be sure there was a lot of pain on Abraham's face when he said that. And Isaac saw the pain on Abraham's face in verse 9 as Abraham built that altar. There was pain on his face as he built the altar. There was pain on his face when he laid the wood in order. There was pain on Abraham's face when he turned to Isaac and he says, now put your hands together, son, so I can bind you. There was pain on his face when he lifted up Isaac and laid him, as it says, on the altar upon the wood. And so Isaac saw the pain on Abraham's face in in verse 10 when it's the last thing, when he says, and Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. So in all of these instances, when Isaac saw the pain on Abraham's face, Isaac saw how much this was hurting Abraham, and he saw Abraham's sacrifice. That's the last S. He saw Abraham's sacrifice, and Abraham influenced Isaac by his sacrifice. So those are the four ways in which Abraham influenced Isaac, by Abraham's silence, by Abraham's speech, by Abraham's service, and by Abraham's sacrifice. It was Abraham's silent speech, service, and sacrifice that so greatly influenced Isaac that he's willing to die. What were the four ways that Abraham influenced Isaac? They all start with an S. What's the first one? Silence. Second? Speech. Third? And the fourth? Sacrifice. Those four areas. Silence, speech, service, sacrifice. Those are the exact same four ways in which the Lord Jesus Christ influenced others. First, just as Abraham influenced Isaac by his silence, the Lord Jesus Christ influenced others by his silence. He influenced Pilate when he was silent, as it says in Matthew 27, 12 through 14, when he was accused of the chief priests and the elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. He influenced Pilate by his silence. The Lord Jesus Christ was on the way to the cross. He's resolved to obey the Father, to lay down his life, a ransom for many. This mock trial, they're all saying these things. He's pelted by accusations. He's silent. He doesn't answer. And Pilate says, don't you hear how many things? He answers him to never a word. He's being afflicted. He's being oppressed while he's dying for our sins. And yet, he has such an effect on others when he's silent, as it says in Isaiah 53, 
7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he openeth not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Twice in this verse, in Isaiah verse 53, 7, his silence is noted, and it has this profound influence on others. He remained silent when he was being vilified, when he was being abused. As it says in Peter, when he was reviled, he was silent. He reviled not again. When he suffered, he was silent. He threatened not but committed himself to them, to him that judges righteously. So this silence, just as Abraham influenced Isaac by his silence, the Lord Jesus Christ influenced others by his silence. Just as Abraham influenced Isaac by his speech, the Lord Jesus Christ influenced others by his speech. As it says, when he spoke, they said, nobody has ever spoken like this before. In John seven forty six, the officers answered, never man spake like this man. He influenced others by when he spoke, because he spoke with a boldness, as it says in John 7, 26. But lo, he speaketh boldly, and they say nothing attempted. And the rulers not know this is the very in Christ. He influenced others to the point of astonishment by his speech, because he spoke with authority in Matthew 7, 28 through 29, when it said the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. He influenced to the point where they were wondering. They were in a state of wonderment by what's called the gracious words that he spoke in Luke 4.22 when it says that they wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. He influenced, and see, so as, as, as Abraham influenced Isaac by his speech, the Lord Jesus Christ influenced others by his speech. And, and, and just as Abraham influenced Isaac by his service, the Lord Jesus greatly influenced others by his service. He, he healed the sick. That influenced others. There, there was the man, you remember, the man possessed with the devils. He cut himself. He was living in the tombs in Mark 2, 5, 2 through 5. And it says that there met him a man from the tombs with unclean spirit. He was dwelling among the tombs. No man could bind him. He says he had been often with cheddars and cha- fetters and chains, and he, and he plucked asunder those things, and he cut himself day and night crying and cutting himself. And when the Lord Jesus Christ confronted, all the devils besought him, saying, send us into the swine. And, and, and he did that, and they were choked. And then it says, and the people came, in, in verse 15, to Jesus, and they saw the man that was possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed him in his right man, and they were afraid. He influenced them. They were afraid. Then there was the Greek woman, the Greek woman that had the daughter, and the daughter was possessed with the devil in Mark 7, 25 through 30, and, 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 and she was a Greek woman, a Syrophoenician, and she besought, she begged him, please cast forth the devil out of my daughter. But you remember he said, uh, he said uh, it's not right to take the children's bed to cast it dogs, and she, she said, yes, but the dogs eat the crumbs from under the table. And he, and he said, for that saying, for that saying, the devil has gone out of your daughter. And then it says, when it has come to her house, she found the devil gone out and her daughter laid upon a bed. He influenced people when he cast out that devil. He influenced people so greatly by his service to casting out devils that it says the people were amazed in Mark chapter 1. He says they were all amazed in so much that they questioned among themselves, what thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commanded even the unclean spirits and they do obey him. He, that was a service. He was serving the people as he cast out devils at the multitudes. It says they marveled in Mark nine, Matthew 9, 33. When the devil was cast out, the dumb spake, and the multitudes marveled. He influenced them, saying it was never so seen in Israel. 
He, he healed deafness, and he influenced people. In Mark 7, 32-35, it says, they brought it to him, one that was deaf, and he had an impediment in his speech, and, he, and they just asked him, just put your hand on him, and, he, and he, you know, he put his hand on him, he put his finger in his ears, he spit, touched his tongue, and so forth, and straightway, it says, his ears were opened, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plain. They were influenced. He, 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 when he healed blindness, he influenced people in Matthew 9, 27 through 30, when he departed then, and two, remember, two blind men followed him, crying, thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him, and he said, believe you that I'm able to do this? They said, yes, Lord. And he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were straight, and straight, straight were, their eyes were open, and straightly he charged them. Don't tell anybody. But he influenced those who saw them, saw him do that. He healed dumbness. He healed dumbness. It says that this man was brought to him that had an impediment in his speech in, in Mark 7, and, and, and he, was, he, he was healed of that. And he influenced people. He healed lame people, and he influenced people. They remember they brought this man who was sick of the palsy in Matthew 9, 2 through 8, and he's lying on his bed, and, and he says, your sins are forgiven you. And there was a big controversy over that. It says, he's blaspheming. And then he says, what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or to say arise and walk? Okay, arise and walk. And he gets up and walks. And then it says in verse 8, but when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. He influenced people by his service of healing the lame. He influenced people when he served by his service of healing disabilities. He says in Mark 7, 37, they were beyond, they were beyond measure astonished, saying he had done all things well. He makes the deaf to hear. He makes the dumb to speak. He influences other, when he, that woman, he, she had an internal bleeding. She was hemorrhaging. And in, in Mark 5, 25 to 29, certain women, she has this issue of blood for 12 years, suffered many things of the physician, spent all that she had, was nothing better but worse. That's typical. Anyway, <laughs> the, the Hippocratical. And so she heard G- Jesus, came behind, touched his garment, and she was straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body. And then, of course, he drew her out. He said, who touched me? Virtue is gone. He influenced people when he healed her. He influenced people in his service of healing the worst disease at that time, leprosy, in Luke 17 through 12 to 14, where there was the 10 men who were the lepers, and they stood afar off, and they said, Master, have mercy on us. And he saw them, he says, and they were cleansed. He said, they were cleansed. So he influences them by the, He influenced, he especially influenced others by his service of raising from the dead. In Luke 7, 12 through 17, there was this dead man, is a son of a mother, the only son of a mother, is being carried out in the coffin. And so what happens? He comes and he touches the coffin, and the dead man stands up, and, 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 and he says, here's your, here's your son back. And what happened? There came a fear on all, it says in verse 16. They glorified God, saying that a great prophet has risen up among us and that God has visited his people. And this rumor went forth throughout all Judea and through all the region round about. He influenced them. He influenced people by his service of raising Lazarus from the dead in John 11. And it says there that when he did that, he so influenced the people. It says many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him because of its influence of service. So as Abraham influenced Isaac by his service, the Lord Jesus Christ influenced others by his service. And then just as Abraham influenced Isaac by his sacrifice, so the Lord Jesus Christ influenced others by his sacrifice. 
In Luke 23, when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, if he is finished, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said this, he gave up the ghost. And when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God, saying, certainly this was a righteous man. And all the people came together at that site, and they, they hit their chests, and they returned. He influenced them. And when the centurion says in Matthew 27, same thing, it says that, that when that happened, they saw the earthquake, and they, and they feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. He influenced them in his sacrifice. He influenced that thief on the cross in Luke 23 when he said, when the thief was watching him in his sacrifice and said, we indeed indeed suffer justly and receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing amiss. He influenced that man. So as Abraham influenced Isaac by his sacrifice, and so we've been studying Avraham, the father of many nations. And we've seen in Abraham now a challenge for fathers today that as Abraham influenced his son Isaac by his silence, by his speech, by his service, by his sacrifice, that we as fathers should be like Abraham and as fathers influence our children by our silence, especially when we're tempted to blow up in anger, just to remain silent. As King Solomon told us in Ecclesiastes 3.7, there's a time to keep silence and there is a time to speak. As fathers, we are to influence our children by our speech As it says in Isaiah 50, verse 4, the Lord hath given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that's weary. In Psalm 119, verse 172, it says, my tongue shall speak of thy word. And as fathers, we influence our children by our service. As it says in Romans 12, 11, not slothful business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. In Galatians 5.13, for brethren, we have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion of the flesh, but by love serve one another. As fathers, we influence our children by our sacrifice. As it says in Hebrews 13.15, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That's the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. In Romans 12.1, Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is only reasonable. When God told Isaac that he was going to provide a lamb, we look at that statement, and we see in that a, a, a statement from a great man of faith, Abraham, a great man of faith. And that's very encouraging for us because we didn't jump into this book of Genesis here at chapter 22. We know Abraham. We've been watching him since Genesis 12. And if any of us ever say, well, I can never be a great man of faith like Abraham was, we just have to remember who Abraham was. We have to remember all the history of Abraham's failures with his lies about his wife, etc. I mean, we're not studying the history of a great man of faith. We're studying the history of how God made a great man of faith. And Abraham was the work of God, and Abraham was God's workmanship, and that's how God made him a great man of faith. And we're God's workmanship, as it says in Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. When we look at our lives and we say, well, what's the use? I failed God. Why don't I just give up? That's the time to remember that we're reading about Abraham here. And he's the result of God working with Abraham. God's not willing to give up. God wasn't willing to give up on Abraham when he lied the second time to Abimelech. And God didn't say, haven't we gone over this once? 
<laughs> How many times do I have to forgive you? And God gets his calculator out. And he's not willing to give up. He's not willing to give up with us because God's not a quitter. See, is it Philippians 1.6, being confident of various things, that he which hath begun, started, a, a good work in you, will perform it, finish it, until the day of Jesus Christ. If God has begun a good work in us, then he's, gonna, he's not going to give up and throw the towel in, so let's not do that also. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for writing all these things down for us about Abraham and about the Lord Jesus, that we might, through the life of Abraham, understand the wonder of the Lord Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051.